Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, Mike here and welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. Yeah, today's a big day uh, as I'm recording this. This is uh, also release day. I'm kind of behind a little bit this week, but today it's a little bit of a milestone for me. I am turning 50 years old today and normally I'm not a big pomp and circumstance guy about my birthday or anything like that. It's just another day. But it, it's what I've done lately is I'm thinking about approaching this milestone over the last few weeks and months, just coming into it. I've thought a lot about the hobby, uh, my place in it. And so I wanted to talk through that. I wanted to do that kind of as a catharsis for me to kind of get some thoughts out there, not only where I've been in the hobby, but and where I am now, but where the future of the hobby is going and where, again, my place in it might be. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see I am wearing the newest uh, addition to my hat collection, which is a World Series cap for the Texas Rangers, my Texas Rangers. I am so excited about what's happened in the playoffs so far. The best birthday present that they could have ever gotten me was to go to the World Series. And it's one of those things that being a baseball fan first, Beyond being a collector, I'm a, I'm a baseball fan first, and I, and I don't know if it's a chicken and the egg thing, but I've loved the Rangers as long as I've loved baseball. And sometimes that's been a hard thing to love because the Rangers haven't always put up a very good showing. This will be their third World Series uh, in my life, well, period. Uh, and, uh, you know, I came into this world in 1973, obviously. The Rangers started in 1972. So, Pretty much their entire existence. I've been around. I've been a fan since the early 80s and love, love, love the team and live and die by what they what happens to them, which is probably not healthy. I'm not I'm not saying that's a good thing. Uh it's easier when they're losing because you just kind of dismiss it and like, okay, on to the next thing. But when they're winning, you really I really find myself getting significantly emotionally invested in what happens pitch by pitch, minute by minute. And again, as I've been coming towards this point in my life, uh, you know, not like I didn't know it was coming, (laughs) but as I leave my 40s, I think, man, how much simpler it was to be a collector as a kid. Because I think about, as I go through the reflective phase, I just wanted cards. And I preferred Ranger cards, but it, the, the reality was I just liked cards. I liked everything about them. I liked Slurpee discs and Kraft macaroni and cheese cards on boxes. And 
you name it, if it had to do with baseball cards or baseball players, I wanted it. And that's how I was for a long time in my career, in my car, my collecting career. I didn't even think of myself as a collector back then. It was just, I just liked this stuff. And so didn't do it to collect. I didn't do it to preserve it. I didn't do it caring about condition, any of that stuff. I didn't care about value. None of that. It was who are the names in conjunction with my collecting, you know, journey. I was learning about the game and learning about the history of the game and falling in love with the history of baseball. It's such a unique sport and how the history dovetails so much with numbers. And I'm a numbers guy. I became uh, a financial planner for crying out loud. I do numbers all day. That's what I deal with. That's where, where I'm really good at numbers. It just makes sense to me. And not everybody has that talent. I, I can't, you know, paint a beautiful piece of art. I don't have that talent, but I do have the talent of numbers. And I just, I've always done good in math and I was an economics major in college. And I was always loved the, the financial part of numbers and baseball is all about numbers. There's historic numbers in the game that everybody can quote and we know who did them and when they did them, when they did those events. And so it's, I, maybe that's why it, it just rings so true with me, why it hits home for me so much and how much I love this game and the history of the game. And as I grew as a collector, I started to gravitate towards certain players and all of that. You guys have heard my history of being a, a recovering player, collector, the multiple players that I went through over literally the decades, probably from the late 80s through the early 2000s, really. And then I really feel like I've, as I matured as a collector, I just, man, this is so much fun to collect the old stuff. The vintage stuff became, as I've said before, it became important to me, but I've, I've always loved vintage. I always respected vintage. I've always wanted to have vintage. It's, it's, it was an affordability thing, really, and place in life and kids and all that. So now at a point in life it's like wow i can i can do this stuff and it's been true that's been true for well over a decade now and that's been my pretty singular focus hall of fame autographs hall of fame just cards now even kind of getting into pre-war which again i've always loved pre-war it's not a, it's not a <laughs> not a lack of passion for it it's a god do i really want to go down that rabbit hole and start something brand new when I already have so many unfulfilled projects in my collection as it, as it sits now. And it's funny, I don't really get tired of things in, in collecting. Like once I kind of put something to the side, it, it, it's just kind of to the side and I revisit it later. That's why I enjoy having so many hobby projects because I can always, Ooh, let me, let me dive into that a little bit and see what I can find out there on that part of my collection. And, but I found that my true passion, what I, like, if you said, Mike, this is what you need to keep, uh, it would be the autograph stuff. And because I just love the tactile nature of that, that a player actually touched the card and there's, there's a connection to that. Maybe that's silly. Maybe some of you are out there going, that's just dumb. Well, I'm, I might be dumb and that might be true, but that's definitely where I am. Uh, been kind of focusing on that a little bit more as I've been hunting lately. Although, well, I'll get to that. 
I'll get to this when I talk about what I think about the future of the hobby. And the, the content creation part of being a hobbyist has added a level and dimension of joy to this hobby that I could have never told you was possible. If I would have told you 10 years ago when I started doing YouTube videos that I would have as many friends as I have now in the hobby, as many great relationships, great friendships, great uh, conversations about the hobby, how much I've learned from those people, how much I've gleaned off of them from their experience, I uh, would have never believed you, would have never believed you. And the fact that anyone even cares what I think about anything is shocking to me. Uh, because I'm just a dude and people say, oh man, I, thank you so much for all your knowledge and all that. I get DMs all the time and how much people enjoy the podcast. And I genuinely appreciate it. I get, I read all of those and heartfelt, genuinely love it. And yet I'm just like, but why? I'm just a guy, I'm just like you, just a collector. Just love getting new stuff, seeing new cards, hearing great stories. That's, you know, what I am at the core. And the content creation thing is, you know, gone different directions in terms of doing this podcast or doing baseball collector videos on my normal YouTube channel, stuff on bench clear, collaborative type stuff, putting together hobby events such as Hobby Palooza on YouTube or the content creator get together, kind of YouTube get together at the national. All of those bring me significant joy when I look around the room and I see who all's there or I you know, meet somebody new at a show that says, Hey man, I love your content. If only one person did that, it'd be worth doing. I'm blessed to have several people, lots of people do that. And I'm, I'm grateful to all of you for that. Um, because it's just made the hobby more rich. It's made me want to learn. It's made me eager to find out more information. It's made me excited to look for cards. It gets me excited to build my collection, honestly, because I have a place to show it. And I, and I say all the time that if you just have a bunch of cards and they're sitting in a closet, kind of what's the point of that? So having, I've had the, the joy to have so many people over to my house and look at my collection. And, you know, at the beginning, I was probably a little apprehensive of that just because of the, you're kind of exposing yourself, right? You're putting yourself out there and, you know, I, I'm just kind of who I am and I'm going to, wear everything on my sleeve. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes I piss people off, but people have seen my kids in videos and my dogs and my wife. And, you know, here's my life, man, or at least here's a sliver of it. Here's a lot of it, but I've shared so many things over the years on this podcast, on my other channels that I'm a part of that. I feel like people out there tell me that, man, I feel like I know you. And I hope that's true. I mean, I hope that if you met me in person that you would say, yep, Mike's the same guy in person as he is on his videos, laid back, chill. And that's that's just kind of how I roll. So when I think about everything that's happened and how my hobby career has gone and grown and built and all those things, and I look around me at the stuff that I have in my collection, I'm my reflection has been, man, I have really accumulated a, a great collection for me. And I've thought about, okay, what's the end game? Because my wife's been at, we've been thinking about that a lot lately. So I hit 50 and I'm moving towards, 
you know, potentially slowing down at work. I'll probably never retire, but to a point where, okay, I can slow down a little bit. What does that look like? You know, do I, if I move to our ranch, do I take the collection with me? Do I sell it? Do I, all of these things go through my head and it's so hard to actually land that plane and make a decision because I'm a kind of all or nothing guy. And so it's like, well, if I'm going to have cards, I'm going to have cards. I'm going to have the best collection I can have. And I know a lot of people take breaks and stuff like that. And I, I just, I, there's periods for sure that I look less than others. And that's mainly just because I'm busy, not because I don't like cards anymore or don't want to look at anything or don't want to spend money necessarily. I don't want to just frivolously spend money, but I don't, I'm never like, oh, I can't spend 10 bucks on a card, you know, which is a great position to be in, no doubt. So I've just been like, okay, where, where do I land this plane down the road at some point? And I still don't have an answer to that. And that's not, this isn't some, you know, Mike's made a decision about the future of his collection. He hasn't, <laughs> I have not talking about myself in the third person. That's not a good idea ever. No, I haven't figured that out. Uh, I know I'm still enjoying the, I still enjoy the hobby a lot. And no matter what's going on in the hobby around all the news, whether it's fanatics or bad actors in the hobby, you name it. I just like cards. You know, at the end of the day, I, I have this mindset of wanting to add to the collection and build it out and complete things. That's just there all the time, no matter what the noise is around. That's And that's good. That keeps me from getting too distracted and pissed off and worried about all the other stuff that's happening. To that end, though, I think it's important to, to think what the future of the hobby holds. And I think it's going to be an interesting next decade or so in the hobby. We have seen, you heard a couple of weeks ago, we did the Vintage 100 podcast with John Wade Boggs fan, kind of an update on that. 14 months, we really have like multiple years worth of data that we talked about. So if you didn't watch that episode or listen to that episode, go back and do that because it shows a trend in that prices are coming down. Me, the collector, just loves that. A lot of people don't. Like, why would you want the hobby to be um, lower, have lower prices overall? That's because I want to buy more stuff, right? And and I want to buy stuff cheaper is better than more expensive. And is it good for the hobby for prices to come down? I, I actually think it can be a positive thing for the hobby if prices come down because you're going to see more and more people. It lowers the barrier of entry, right? More and more people can get into vintage if it's cheaper. You know, and I've always said, and this is so true, what makes a card worth anything? You know, what makes this card worth more than that card? You know, X card versus Y card. And the answer is simply whose picture is on it and what year it's from and how many of them did they make? Is it a short print? Is it a regular? Is it got a, is there a white name, yellow name, whatever variation? Intrinsically, there's nothing wrong, different about the card. It's still made out of cardboard. We put these random values on things to, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know what creates the value of a certain card. Why are mantle cards worth more? Supply and demand, right? People demand, people like mantle more, they collect mantle more. And so maybe that's an answer, but I, I've never understood why cards have to be so crazy expensive. 
And it's because someone's willing to pay that. At the end of the day, that's what a card's worth is what someone's willing to pay. So for me, I, I want to pay as little as possible. So prices coming down, not the worst thing for me in terms of how I think about the hobby. If you're a seller, obviously that's not something you want to see. You want to buy a card, have it appreciate in value and sell it for some amount more than you paid and make profit. That I get that. Totally get that. But that's just not where I am. It's not what I care about. So I think prices will continue to come down. I think we'll continue to see a normalization of prices. I think we'll have a new high. We won't have in the vintage world anyway, pre-pandemic pricing. I think the cards that have gone up will will stay higher than they were a few years ago, which is probably good. I mean, you just want to see kind of a slow and steady increase in values. I'm very grateful that a lot of the vintage cards I've acquired over the last 10 to 15 years have gone up in value. I don't you know, track it, but usually once a year, I kind of go look and it allows me to go, ah, good. What it really makes me think is, man, I'm glad I bought that card back when I did and I don't have to buy it today <laughs> uh, because maybe I can't buy all these cards and have this collection that I do. And that's true down the road. Today's high prices are tomorrow's bargains. So things will only continue to go up in value over time. Not necessarily over short periods of time, but over long periods of time. So what cards are worth today is not going to be what they're worth in a decade. I think vintage is going to become more and more popular as people in my age bracket and slightly younger, uh, say 35 to 55, that age bracket gets more and more into vintage the people coming into the hobby are i feel like they're attracted more to vintage even though for most of us we never saw the players play it's so irrelevant to me would i've liked to seen joe dimaggio play sure ted williams absolutely stand mutual yep would love to have seen them play does it make me want to collect their cards any less because i didn't absolutely not it has no effect on whether or not I want to buy their cards because I know where they are from a historical perspective in the annals of the game and its history. And that, that matters to me. So it is, I think that's just going to be an area of the hobby that continues to grow. How much does the modern market do? I think it's all about marketing. How much does fanatics get the next generation, the kids into the hobby? How much does it do to create products that are attainable for kids because the kid, if you get a kid early, like me, when I was a kid, then you have a chance to keep them as collectors. I think we'll still see the normal cycle. Kids grow up, they get into other stuff, sports and girls and cars and whatever uh, in high school and college. And then they kind of put their collection to the side and then they, just like we saw in COVID times, a lot of people revisiting, collecting, and oh man, let me pull out my baseball cards and take a look at those. I, I think that's a pattern that's just kind of normal. I, I don't think that's something that will change, or I, I think we'll have a larger percentage of people kind of be consistent collectors, but you'll, in terms of purchasing and continuing to buy new product and liking new cards, but you got to get those, those kids seeing cards the way just for the joy of cards and i think they do i think there's a lot that most of the kids that i talk to and see 
Uh, I've had a lot of friends lately that their kids are getting into cards and they bring them over to my house and they're like, holy moly. Uh, one, it was my, uh, my pastor's son came over with my pastor and he, they had never seen the collection and heard about it. And the pastor was like, man, I, my son's into cards. Can you come over and teach him some stuff and whatnot? And I said, sure. So he came over and he left and he was on his way and he texted me after he goes, here's what my son told me. He goes, he sent me this text. He said, dad, this might be crazy, but that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. <laughs> it was getting to be here. And, and I, I always give cards away to kids when they're at my house. I find out who their favorite player is, a current player, and I find some cards uh, that I can give to them just to fuel that passion, right? To fuel that, oh man, somebody, I had a buddy, uh, my beyond, my daughter's fiance, his name's Joe, one of his friends came over and he loved Ian Kinsler and I had several Ian Kinsler autographs and I gave him a Kinsler autograph. Now he's into cards, like he's buying stuff, new stuff, and that's great. Uh, and he's in his early 20s. So I just talked to him the other day and he was telling me some stuff that he bought and what he's getting and showing me his eBay and that kind of stuff to inspire that next generation to have a passion for cards, I think is, is great. And we all need a passion. We all need a vice. We all need something. And I feel like cards is pretty benign, right? You can certainly do a lot of damage if you collect haphazardly, I think. Recklessly might be the right word. You're just buying into breaks all the time. That can be a dead end road. Uh, not God, it's so hard to, I'm just giving my opinion here. Uh, I've actually bought into a several, I say several, a couple of breaks in my life. Uh, I've had good experiences and bad experiences, but I don't buy boxes generally unless I'm willing. I just like the product. I just want to buy a couple boxes and have the joy of that. Um, but I think vintage will continue to grow. I think we'll see in the next few years as, as the licenses start transferring over to fanatics from, you know, like, well, tops is already owned by fanatics, but as more and more licenses start going over to fanatics to see the types of products that they start churning out and how often they are. And I think that we need to have some type of guardrails on the number of products every year and the amount of stuff that comes out every year. It just, it makes it more special. If you just know there's another product coming out next week, you, you're less likely to be enthusiastic about the current one. And so to me, less is better, less is more. But so Michael Rubin's not going to watch this, so they'll never know what my opinion is, nor would they probably care even if they did listen to this. So, But I think they need to be careful about that, not to oversaturate the market. Let it be special. Let it be meaningful. For someone to buy a box of cards if that's something they want to do so yeah i think the future is bright for the hobby i think we've we saw a influx of technologies and other things i think that that marriage of technology and cards which is, has long been a struggle i think for the card market to incorporate new technology because most card people are older people and they're less adoptive of change they don't want to do things different I mean, I still use an Excel spreadsheet to track most of my collection, but I also use VCP and I also use uh, my PSA set registry inventory and all that kind of stuff. I like that stuff. And the cooler that can get, the easier that can get to use, I think the better uh, 
the better for the hobby in the long run. So seeing more innovations in that area would be cool to marry technology and, and apps and just different things you can do. I love, you know, Pelican cases, for example, didn't exist. God, is it even, has it even really been five years that we've seen the rise of people carrying their whole collection around with them at a card show? I mean, that used to never happen really, unless it was in a, it just maybe then stuff it in a backpack or several boxes. But the idea of walking around and making trades and selling collection parts of their collection to buy other parts to dealers at shows is, is a relatively recent phenomenon. And I, I think that's something that's kind of here to stay. It It's easy, right? It's easy to transact business that way. So things that are easy are good for the hobby. So yeah, that's, you know, I wanted to, I, I don't really need this to be a, a long drawn out video. It's already probably more than you guys cared to listen to, but I thought it was a good time to just give a kind of state of my hobby and a little bit of a state of the hobby. And, and again, we all create our own thoughts about the hobby and, and what we think about going forward. We're all going to have an opinion. Likely none of our opinions are right, actually. It'll end up being something completely different, and hopefully that's a good thing. But for now, uh, this will be a much shorter episode, obviously. I just wanted to get on here and share how I'm feeling and share what I'm thinking. I'm excited about the future of the hobby. I'm excited about my future in the hobby. And as long as you guys keep listening, I'll keep doing episodes of Golden Age of Cardboard. We'll keep chasing cardboard on that channel and all kinds of great stuff. So... Hope to make more friends and meet more people. I will be at the Dallas show next week end. Yeah. And hopefully have a lot of good content from that. I'm setting up as a dealer for the first time for a collection that I had bought that I am trying to now basically divest myself of all the things that aren't going to stay in my collection. So I'm looking forward to that experience. I, I enjoy being at card shows. Usually I'm there only for a day or two, unless it's the national. So this will be a different experience where I'm literally for four days, Thursday through Sunday at a card show. I don't know if I might be sick of it. You might hear me next week saying, or the week after that show, talking about how much I now disdain going to card shows. I hope not. I don't think so. But anyway, uh, that is it for today. That's it for this week. I appreciate everybody. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you soon. Let me know what you think down below. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on or listening on podcast, love a review of the show. Would love to hear what you think. You can always DM me at uh, on Instagram at, at baseball collector Mike. So that's it for today. Thanks, guys. Keep collecting.